Welcome to the Fully Restored Podcast. Christians often struggle to talk about areas of deep hurt like trauma or abuse, shame or betrayal. These are deep soul wounds. Friend, Christ came to not only heal us from our sin, but from our soul wounds as well. My name is Kristen Klaus and I'm a licensed professional counselor and author. And my guest and I are here to walk with you on your healing journey. We see you and hear you. Friend, if you hang with me, apply these truths to your life, you will be on your own path to a fully restored story. Grab your coffee, tea, or favorite drink, and let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Kristen Clausen. You're listening to the Fully Restored Podcast. I am so excited today to be joined by my new friend, Lauren Cruz. Lauren is one who inspires you to keep pressing on in life. Although she's faced many obstacles in her life, she's making her mark for the kingdom of God. I'm so excited, and this is going to be an amazing show. Welcome, Lauren, to the Fully Restored Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's a joy to have you. So before we jump in, I always like to do some fun facts. So the first one is you teach 12th grade. I teach 12th and 10th graders. And 10th graders. And what subjects do you teach? Language arts. Language arts. And that fits because you're an author. (laughs) And then the next one is, this is just near and dear to my heart. You're a brand new grandma. Brand new. I have a four month old little grandson and he is so adorable. Oh, well, I have three with two on the way. So I am just so, so excited about that. And congratulations to you. I bet you are just in love with him. He's very squeezy. (laughs) Yes. So Lauren, tell us a little bit about yourself, the work you do in your family. Well, wife, husband and I have been married for 30 years and I have three kids. They're all grown. And so we're enjoying our first year of empty nesting. I am a full-time high school public school teacher. I'm also an adjunct professor and I got this side hustle of being an author. (laughs) So very busy. Love it though. We do extra things like camping and traveling. And I think I seem to thrive a little bit on the the busyness. So I enjoy it. That type A personality, right? A A little bit, a little bit. And I did see that during the summer, you did a lot of traveling, but you also were doing daily Facebook meetings, right? Yeah. During the month of July, I did a daily reading of, from my devotional that we had um, launched in April. We have 31 days in July. So I thought that would be a great day to just, you know, jump on each, each morning and start our day with a devotional. So I tried to keep busy with that as well. Oh, I love that. I didn't realize that it was based from your book. So I just love that. That's wonderful. Well, Lauren, could you share with us about your childhood and the struggles that you faced? Sure. My parents divorced when I was really young. Honestly, I think I was four, maybe, maybe made it to five. I'm not even sure. And so mom was single mom, raised us as a single mom for a bit, and she did remarry. And so I did have a stepdad all through high school and same marriage. My dad has been married multiple times and had a bit of a rough, rough life going between the two. 
I heard from my mom often that if I didn't behave, that she would send me to my dad and heard a lot from my dad, what a disappointment I was. And I would be sent back to my mom. And so I shuffled around a lot. My dad was physically and emotionally abusive and very neglectful. He was very much into his activities. And so I spent a lot of time on my own. And as you can imagine, as a junior high kid, young kid, I was young. I made some very poor choices and got into trouble. And then I would get shipped back to my mom. And so mom was hard. She was a hard woman, very, very, very strict. We were raised when we lived with my mom. It was a Christian home. We did go to church. Prayer was a part of it. I did see my mom reading her Bible. You know, she was very aware of trying to raise us in a Christian home. But on the flip side, Holy cow, she was super, super strict and very distant. So when you grow up with a strict mama, you tend to be a little rebellious. And I often did my own thing. My mom thought I was on the high school basketball team and I would go to practice, except I didn't. My dad thought I was on a swim team and I would go to practice, except I didn't. And so I found myself making some really bad decisions. I was promiscuous in high school, and it's only because I had just a lot of free time. Just hard. It was just a hard, hard relationship between me and my family. I was raped in high school. I accepted a ride home from a friend on a really rainy, crazy, stormy Florida afternoon. I thought he would take me home, but he took me to his house and said, you know, I'm not taking you home unless this happens. And I was late getting home and I knew my mom would be furious at me for being late. And sure enough, when I got dropped off, she, you know, just lit into me and I never told her, never told her what was happening. I just took it. I just took the punishment and said, you know, whatever, because I was really used to that. You know, I would just take it and then go do whatever I wanted. And so that was hard. So I became very much a teenager and a college student who looked at her life and said, you know, I just don't want to end up like this. I was the first person in my family to go to college. You know, we weren't well off. We weren't really in poverty, but we really, you know, struggled financially. And I definitely was aware of what I didn't have. And so I became very hard on myself, a control freak, high standards, work hard, two and three jobs I would have while going to college and put myself through college. I I would not take it. Well, my parents didn't pay for my college, but But even when they did try to offer some assistance, I refused it. I wanted to do it on my own. And so I just became hard as well, a very driven, emotionally distant. You know, my mom at one time would often call me the ice princess because I really didn't have a lot of emotions towards things. And I took that as a compliment. You know, I'm like, thanks, because that means I didn't show any emotion. I didn't cry. That's kind of my background. It just kind of really spurred me to be just very driven in life, to prove them wrong, to prove my parents and the naysayers that I wouldn't succeed. I I wanted to prove them wrong. There's so much that you just said there in that that couple of minutes. Yikes. And, um, And so I want to just kind of recap there. And so as you were talking about here at that, just that tail end about hard on yourself and a control freak and overachiever and driven and high standards. What I think about 
is when you come from a story of abuse, you know, this is the counselor in me coming up. When you come from the story of abuse, when there's physical, emotional abuse, when there is a rape that probably, I don't want to assume, but probably like the other stuff, you just kind of tucked it away. You didn't say anything to anyone. You just don't deal with the feelings. Those became your way that you cope with life. I always say that control for somebody who's experienced abuse, but really for anybody, is a false sense of security. If I control everything, then I feel safe and secure because that's what we're really wanting is to feel safe and secure in our life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I just, I mean, I say I was promiscuous, but when I look back now, you know, I was just desperate for someone to accept me as I was and be good enough. And, you know, when you have a parent tell you what a disappointment you are and the other parent, you know, my mom, at this age, I look back and I just, she didn't have love and she didn't have the support. And so she didn't know how to give it. And, you know, when, when you continue in that cycle, that's a hard thing. So, you know, I I can look back now and I can see it, but boy, at the time just made for some really bad decisions. (laughs) It does. And I'm jumping ahead and we're going to come back to your fully restored story in a moment, but I'm jumping ahead because you just said something and it made me think of, you know, when you're raised in a family that don't express love, that don't show love. My family didn't express love. It was just assumed that you were loved. And I needed those words. You know, my love language is I need to hear it. I need to hear that you love me. That's how my love tank gets full. And for you, when you became a parent, were there things that you did different, very specific things that you did differently um, because of what you experienced growing up? I think so. And I have to say that my husband has an incredible role in my story. He grew up very differently, very accepted and loved. And, you know, I always joke with him, he never even got a spanking, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, that's all I ever know. So I, I you know, we had a very opposite yeah. childhood, but he definitely modeled behavior that was very different. And he often said to me, cause I was a hammer, you know, if the kids did something wrong, like you got to fix this now. And I was a hammer for my kids, but that's what I knew. And I did not want that for my kids. I wanted yeah. them to experience a very different life. And he really showed me, you know, there's two ways to get to a result and there's two ways to look at things. And maybe mine was wrong even just speaking to each other, like he wouldn't allow us to yell across the room, you know, Hey, will you bring me this? You know, we had to walk across the room and in my house, we just yelled. (laughs) So it was just a very different way, but yes, I did raise my, I wanted to spend time with my kids. I wanted to have memories of baking cookies and reading stories and wanted my kids to grow up with that because I don't, I don't have those memories, you know, I, I don't remember my parents at my, any of my games. Of course, I wasn't on any sports. They didn't know, you know? So I wanted, I just wanted to participate in my kid's life. Oh, that's good to participate in their life. Absolutely. Yeah. I think for me along those same lines, but also what was important to me, because my parents were divorced. I think they were separated when my mom was pregnant with me was I wanted my kids to know that I love them. Yeah. And that no matter what, I wanted them to know that I loved them. And so I made it a point to say that all the time. And 
when it felt uncomfortable to me, when it wasn't normal for me to do that, because that's not what I was raised. I mean, I could tell you like on one hand, how many times I heard, I love you as a child growing up. And so I had to get out of my comfort zone and do that. And it sounds like your husband was used as an instrument in your life to help you get out of what you knew and step into some new way of parenting and loving. Oh, I can relate to that so much. I just wanted somebody to tell me they were proud of me. Yeah. You know, I just, because I worked so hard and because, you know, I just, can someone just tell me I'm proud of me? And so I do the same, you know, I'm probably not as good about telling my kids I love them, but I try so much to tell them you're doing a good job and I'm proud of you because that's what I craved. Um, Yeah. I can relate. I have to tell you, my husband would do things with the kids. Like he'd be playing with them or doing something and it would catch me. And I would have to leave the room because I couldn't even watch it, you know, because I never had that. And it was hard for me to see him showing them love because I'm like, gosh, I never had that. And I'm better now and I'm okay now. But for the first couple of years, it really struck me, you know, what I was missing. I grew up feeling like I was an orphan. And so... Yeah. Uh, being on my own, I was very independent. Yeah. I had to learn to love. Yeah. But the beautiful thing of what God does is that the different times in our life, so our kids may be five years old or seven years old or eight or nine. And at that period of our life, I found this for me and, and many have said this to me as I've counseled them over the years is God used my child at this age to heal me. Yeah. So it sounds like in many ways that was what was happening with you. And and then having to press past like, oh, this makes me uncomfortable. Oh, I wish that I had that to stepping in and joining them. Yes, very much so. Because we could sit off from afar and say, I wish I had a father and mother like that. And miss and, and miss yeah. having the chance to give that to our kids. Yeah. Yeah. And so well done. I mean, that's hard. Well done to both of us that we had to press past that and, and do what was uncomfortable, but we knew it was healthy. Right. Right. Yeah. So, okay. Now we're going to go back. So Lauren, you you know, you shared with us the abuse, the neglect you faced, you shared with us, you know, what your life is like now, but there were obstacles and pain that you had in your life. Could you tell us briefly about your own fully restored story, that moment where you knew that God redeemed you, he loved you and your life was transformed? So it's a slow process, you know, just going, I had to raise my kids and and I totally can understand what you were saying about allowing your kids to have the opportunity to heal those, those times in your life. And so it was a slow process. I had to forgive my parents, you know, I had to forgive my dad. And, and I think at some point I could just see them for the broken people that they were as well. I recognized the abuse in their lives and felt bad for them. You know, I I could understand, okay, now I know why you react that way. I mean, it took a long time for me to even begin to see it in their lives. You know, and again, my husband was a huge part. 
I'll tell you, I, I always was a Christian. I mean, I, it sounds crazy, but you know, my mom did raise me with godly principles. We did go to church. I do remember a profession of faith when I was young, but I think once I got married and started having children, Jeff and I made a commitment to raise our kids in church as well. And I think at that time, I just remember, you know, God, I've always believed in you, but I think I'm really surrendering it all to you. I am tired of working so hard and I just want to know that I'm good enough and Christ absolutely accepts me for where I am, for whatever my past is and continues to walk with me on this journey. You know, I I think my fully restored story is still in process because I think I'm still learning things every day and and hitting the next phase of my kid's life and how to be a grandma and, you know, all of that. I'm still learning. So why did you trust God? You didn't trust others when you were growing up and the things that you were facing. What was different and what was that process like for you of learning to trust God? So God has been steadfast and faithful. And I think that's one of the biggest things I craved as a kid. You know, I just wanted somebody to be proud of me and love me. I also wanted people to stop leaving me. You know, my dad abandoned our family. Even to this day, we we barely, barely speak. My mom abandoned our family. And a lot of that is due to an illness she has. She, she does not participate in my life. My sister doesn't talk to me. You know, I mean, everybody leaves, right? That's what I grew up thinking. Even my husband, the first several years, I just kind of waited for him to leave. You know, someday he's going to just say he doesn't want to be married anymore and he would leave. But God never did. And I I remember very specific prayers like asking for, for a specific job or a task or let me be used at church somehow. And he would answer those prayers and let me go to the next step and the next deeper level. And it was his, I really think it was God's way of saying, you know, I'm still here. I haven't let you go. You haven't wandered so far away. I hear you. And thankfully, I just saw God as just a very faithful presence who would never leave me or forsake me and not let go of me. And I needed that where I couldn't get it in family and friends. Oh, my Lord, my Lord fulfilled that need so desperately for me. And I just want us to pause right there because I'm thinking of the listener who has said those same words. I just want people to stop leaving me. Mm -hmm. I can think of women over the years that I have worked with and ministered to, whether it's counseling or whether it's ministry work with them that have said that, like that is a really a common thing that I have heard is I just wish that people would stop leaving me. And right now, if you're listening and you can relate to that, we just want to encourage you. You know, as Lauren's last words were, my Lord, my Lord, he never left you. He never forsake you, Lauren, did he? He was there always with his arms open wide. And I just want to encourage you. There's nothing that you have done or could do or have done to you by somebody else. There's nothing you can't work hard enough. There's nothing that you can do that can earn God's love. God loves you. He just does. He's love. And he is standing right there right now with you saying, I am here to love you and I won't ever leave you. 
That's good stuff. Because that's what we need to hear, right, Lauren? It is. It is. And the biggest thing that I am amazed by God is we say, oh, God saved me. And it strikes me to my, the very being of me. He saved me. Literally, he pulled me out of a hard life and a tough situation and abuse, neglect, abandonment. He saved me from that. And he died for my sins too. You know, he's going to, I get to spend eternity with him, but he loved me enough. He saved me. And I think it's only him because my family has generations of this. And I look at aunts and uncles and I look at cousins and I just, you know, my own parents and I see it. I can see, you know, like you're dealing with the same stuff and my kids aren't. The curse ended with me. And so I'm okay with that. I'm okay. I get to be the chain breaker. And the way to be the chain breaker, the way to have the curse end with you is by surrendering to God. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And by allowing God to come into your life and saying, okay, God, do the work in me. Yeah. And being willing to do it because- It's hard. It's not fun. It takes time. You know, we want we want an instant gratification and an instant success story. And God just wants long suffering <laughs> obedience. So sometimes we have to go through the journey. <laughs> well, we do because years ago, my spiritual dad had said to me, Kristen, how he always called me the his flower child. And he said, How did you get out of it? Because I know what your life was like. I know what happened to you and what a mess you were. What makes you so different? And I would say to him, well, I prayed. I invited God to come in and to change my life. And he says, no, that's the easy part. That's the easy part. The hard part is to let him do it, is to surrender to that process, to submit to that, that when God begins to put his finger on things in your life and the way you're reacting and responding that isn't healthy, that isn't good, the things that are in you that need to be dealt with, that's when people run away. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, I did not want to be the hammer. I didn't want to be the disciplinarian. I I had a daughter who, when she was a teenager, started acting just like me. And I would just look at her and go, Lord, you can't fool me, honey. I wrote the book. But I had to not react the way I wanted to react. And now here she is moved out and she knows I love her. She knows I'm accepted her. Uh, She knows I'm not going to abandon her and throw her away. And we don't want our kids to go through it. But now that we're on the other end of this, I know how to love through the bad decisions and love through the, you know, the lifestyles that I wish they wouldn't encounter. I still love my kids and they still know that they are more than welcome to come home anytime. And so to me, that's a huge success because I don't know that. Absolutely. And I'm thinking your kids know that you're never going to leave them. You know, we know that we will all pass away, that our days are numbered. We do all know that, but you're not going to leave them, abandon them, check out of their life because of conflict. Right. In the same, you know, my husband loved me and showed me forgiveness and a tenderness that I never knew, but he very much showed Christ to me. And so if I can do that to my kids, they make bad decisions just like I do, you know, just like I did. 
And I want them to know that I still love them and I will never leave them or forsake them. You know, I might have to be tough love sometimes, but I still always, always love them and will always do things for them, you know, as needed. So it's a great cycle that is beginning now (laughs) with this generation. Absolutely. And you have broken that generational curse in your your part of the family. Now, other family members, other, like you said, you have cousins and others that you see the same pattern, but you made that conscious decision and did the actions behind that needed to be done. You did the work. You didn't shut down. You said, yes, Lord, let's do this. And, and he did that in you. So with your life experience where God has brought you today, what are two or three things you can share with our listeners as they begin their journey of healing? Well, the number one, you're saying it, it is a journey. It's going to take time. It's not overnight. Another is we are not disqualified. I often was Amen. trying, yeah, I was trying to please my parents and please my professors and please my boss and I never, I was doing well, but I never felt like it was good enough. And then when I dealt with sin, like, oh, surely I've disappointed God now, you know, he's going to turn his back on me, but we are never disqualified in being used by God and being put in a place where he absolutely needs us because of our background, not despite of our background. There are too many people with similar stories and he can absolutely use us. You know, there's a funny story I tell, and this is kind of the third point. I tell this story about bananas. You know, women are like bananas. Bananas come green and new, and they might not have a lot of flavor yet, but they're definitely used in recipes. And the yellow banana, we love. That's our favorite banana. We want to eat it. And uh, we look forward to that middle-aged banana. And the older bananas that have brown spots are often used in baking. And those are our favorite for baking. You know, we need it to to be a little mushy. And women are like bananas because in every stage, a banana is complete. It is completely grown, whether it's green, yellow, or brown. It doesn't get any different. It's complete and it is perfect. And biblically, the word perfect simply means complete. And so women are bananas because, or like bananas, because we are used at every stage. We are complete and we are perfect and we are usable by God in every stage. I love that. And actually, you had shared that at Speak Up Conference that both you and I were in the same group together in our speaking track. And as you started to say that, I immediate smile went to my face because I remember hearing that and thinking that is such a great visual because I'm a visual person and I usually teach with visual examples. And regardless of what stage we're at, God loves us and we are complete in him. And I just love that, Lauren. So tell us about your new book. How does it relate to women today? So my new book is called Strength of a Woman, Why You Are, Proverbs 31. And most women I've probably just lost because they do not like the Proverbs 31 woman. She's been held as a standard that's a little difficult to obtain, but I look at it actually through the Hebrew and in Hebrew, it has some very, very different teachings for women. Yes, it still talks about a marriage and yes, it still talks about, you know, the relationship between a man and a wife. However, something as simple as who can find a virtuous woman or an excellent woman, that word in Hebrew is chayel and it means strong who can find a strong woman. And it goes into a very different teaching 
in the original language. And so I've included the stories of 20 women who, if you met them in the middle of their story, you would have never thought them to be Proverbs 31 women, but they surrendered just like we all do to um, the leading of Christ in their lives. And he pulled them out of the mire and he has established them as incredible, godly Proverbs 31 women. I just had this thought as you were sharing that, which just makes me feel very joyful right now, that because so many of us have looked at that Proverbs 31 woman going, no way could I do all of that, that you are giving us hope that right in the middle of whatever we're facing, what you and I are talking about here, about surrendering and submitting to God, that he turns us into that strong virtuous woman of God. Yeah, we can't do it on our own strength. We will get tired. We will be worn down and we will be defeated in our own strength. But when we yoke ourselves to Christ and when we partner with him and he is our ultimate bridegroom. And so when we establish that partnership with him, that's the strength that backs us. And we all have a story. Yep, we sure do. Yeah. Yeah, I love that idea of having the different women's stories in there. So in our last few minutes that we have here, our last minute or two, how can people connect with you online and purchase your book? Um, my book is on Amazon. It's in Christian book distributors and it's all over. It's in every major distributor. You can also purchase it through laurencruise.com and it's crew like a boat crew. So laurencruise.com, I can, I can ship you a book. And I can sign it if you need it, but I'm all over social media. Everything's out there. Okay, great. Could you pray just to close out our time together? I sure can. Thank you. Lord, thank you that we have stories because it is evidence that you are writing as the author of our lives. And thank you that you are the one who will ultimately write the end and write well done over our stories when we surrender it all to you, Father God, and when we allow you to work through us. And Father, I just, it's hard, but I thank you for my story because it has proven over and over again that you have not left me. You did not abandon me. You remained faithful. And despite or because of all of that, Lord, You're still using me to pour into others, to strengthen and encourage others, to love on others, and to let them know that you love them too, Lord. And I pray this in your name, and I pray this in just thanking you so much for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And thank you, Lord, for saving all of us, Lord, that that love is for all of us. That was a beautiful prayer. Thank you, Lauren, for joining us today. Our show notes and all the links shared with us today can be found at my website, fullyrestored.love. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can stay up to date on all of our shows. We would appreciate it if you would lead a review and a rating as well on whatever platform you're listening to us on and be sure to share a podcast with your friends. If you know somebody who has struggled with some of the things that Lauren and I talked about today, be sure to share this podcast with them. I would love to stay connected with you as well. So be sure to find me on Instagram and on my Facebook page, which are both of them are at author Kristen Klaus. I hope that this episode of Fully Restored Podcast has ministered to you like me and you feel like you're walking away with some valuable tools. And if there's 
anything that you walk away with from this episode today, know that God loves you and that as you surrender to him and surrender to his love, his love is going to come in and envelop you and he will strengthen you to become that Proverbs 31 woman. And remember, friends, nothing or no one is beyond restoration with Jesus.